Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved, and Jesus began to cry. Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, and the dead men came out. Many who had seen what Jesus did believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. This is the word of the Lord. There are several points in this story that I think we need to hear. First of all, the part about then Jesus began to cry. I think this means that Jesus feels deeply the loss that we all feel when death comes. Scholars believe that Jesus lost his father when he was a teenager. Joseph is never mentioned after Jesus is taken to the temple in Jerusalem when he was 12. The Bible tells us that Jesus had four brothers. They are named. It says he had sisters. That would mean at least two. If Mary and Joseph were having a child about every two years, then at the time Joseph must have died, Maybe when Jesus was 13, 14, Jesus had at least six younger brothers and sisters. He knew that women without a husband in that day were at the mercy of the wilds. They simply had no one to provide for them. So we believe Jesus stayed to look after his mother, to work and see to it that she and the younger children had something to eat until he was about 30 years of age and could begin his own ministry. I believe Jesus knew how it felt to lose somebody whom you love. Dr. Fred Craddock has written that when his mother died, he and his brothers and sisters gathered in the small town where they had grown up. His father had died some years before. His mother and father had lost their little farm in the Great Depression. They'd had to move to a very modest little little house in a small town. All the years that his mother had gone so faithfully to church and had taken the children, the father had made fun of her. All the church ever wants from you is your time and your money, he said. All they want is your time and your money. But when he was older, he was very ill, near death in the hospital. 
And the people who sent him cards, dozens and dozens of cards, were the church people. And he would hear one of these church people whisper to his wife, a certain family would bring her dinner that night. A certain family would bring her lunch the next day. Another family would bring her dinner the next night. And before he died, he said, I was wrong about the church. But finally, Dr. Craddock's mother had died as well. The family gathered in this small house. He said, everybody in the house were family or members of that church, people I'd known who had loved me, whom I had loved all those years before. And suddenly a much louder woman was in the little house. She was going from person to person saying, Isn't it wonderful that God has taken Sister Craddock home? Isn't it wonderful that God has taken Sister Craddock home? And when finally she was introduced to Dr. Fred Craddock, she said, Oh, you're the preacher boy. And he said quietly but firmly, If you've come here trying to make us all feel guilty about missing our mother, you've come to the wrong house. I believe Jesus understood how much death hurts. Number two, did you hear that part about he was deeply moved, troubled? This is an unusual Greek word, and it really means angry or irritated. Jesus was angry or irritated when he saw Mary and the Jews with her weeping. Now, you have to know that in John's gospel, he knows that all these people around Jesus are Jews. Mary is a Jew. Martha's a Jew. Lazarus is a Jew. All the closest followers of Jesus are Jews. When John uses that expression, he means the leaders in Jerusalem who've come two miles to this little suburban community called Bethany. It is they who are Sadducees, and the Sadducees did not believe in life after death. So they eat, they drink, they're merry, and then they wept and wailed when someone died. And Jesus was irritated by that. I remember when Bishop Paul Milhouse called me and asked me if I would come and be your pastor. And then he said very clearly that I was not to be seen in Tulsa for the next four weeks. He didn't want you to see me. He didn't want me to see you until I walked into this pulpit my first Sunday morning. So I had four weeks to think about how I was going to try to lead you when I got here. And one of the things I wrote down was about funerals. I wrote, there will be no more opening the casket in the sanctuary or the chapel. When I got here, I found that was still being done. And I had seen people down in Texas faint and fall out in the floor, have funeral directors breaking little vials of smelling salts under their noses to revive them so they could go on to the cemetery. And I think Jesus is helping us know that weeping is perfectly normal. Hysteria is not the way for Christian people to face death. So I put down no more open caskets in the sanctuary or the chapel. Our minister will come to the funeral home if you like, be there when you close the casket, say a prayer with you, but not at the church. We're not having hysteria at the church. All music sung at funerals and weddings must come from the Methodist hymn book or be considered truly classical. 
had a funeral, about to have one a few years ago when one of our older men died. He had a much younger wife who was not a part of this church, and she wanted us to have a soloist sing, I did it my way. I told her we weren't going to have that at Boston Avenue Church. Oh, yes, we are, she said. Oh, no, we aren't, I said. That was fine for Frank Sinatra. It's not fine for worship in the house of God. So she found another Methodist church in Tulsa who would let her do it. We didn't do it here. Because I believe there are ways that are proper for us to deal with grief and celebration in ways that are not proper. After Jesus began to cry, John tells us again, he was troubled, he was agitated, maybe even angry, as he walked right out to the tomb and said, roll away the stone. Why? Because John believed that raising Lazarus from the dead was going to put Jesus in that tomb. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that Jesus was crucified because he ate with tax collectors and other sinners and finally chased the money changers out of the temple. But John says, no, it was because he raised Lazarus from the dead. This was something that his enemies could not tolerate. If he can raise people from the dead, he will have all kinds of people believing in him. And so they plotted against him. I know the reasons why we Protestants have no body of Christ hanging on the cross. But I think we also miss something when we forget how horrible the crucifixion was. And if we really believe that Jesus was not only very God of very God, but very man of very man, we need to remember this horrible death that was waiting for him in just a few days. But number four and last, the key verse here, of course, is Jesus' statement to Martha. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. John uses these I am statements to remind us that the God of the burning bush, the I am who I am, was now present in Jesus of Nazareth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread. I am the vine. I am the resurrection. Those of you who read the Wall Street Journal, did you see that photograph in the Wall Street Journal almost two weeks ago, right after Hurricane Sandy slammed into New England? There was a picture there of a little community in Queens, the borough of Queens, called Breezy Point. It has that name for a purpose and reason. The wind blows unusually hard at this particular place. There's a small Roman Catholic church there. And when that huge tidal wave hit Breezy Point, that little church was absolutely devastated. The Wall Street Journal carried a photograph the next morning, five columns wide. It looked like a bomb had gone off at Breezy Point. This little church was no taller than waist high. Everything in it absolutely destroyed, except for the statue of the Virgin Mary. She was standing tall with all this rubble around her. It reminded many of the 9-11 cross. Have you been to New York City since 9-11, 2001? When those beautiful buildings went crashing down and finally all the dust had cleared, two huge girders had somehow been intact, one perfectly crossing the other. It's called the 9-11 
us. Some years ago, we took my mother and father to Europe for Dad to retrace the route that his unit took as they landed at Le Havre, France. He was in the United States Army, joined Patton's Third Army, and started trying desperately to get to Berlin. But on, en route to Berlin came the horrible winter of 1944. We had the 101st Airborne surrounded by the Germans at Bastogne in Belgium. General Patton and the 3rd Army were trying desperately to get there to relieve the 101st before they would all be killed. This was the Battle of the Bulge. One of the, one of the journalists traveling with one of those units of the American forces noticed a small little town called La Gleise, where he could hear in the background all these bombs exploding. He could hear rapid fire, rifle fire. He went in the little church for just a few moments. He saw this magnificent Madonna, a carved statue of the Virgin Mary, 800 years old. Someone hollered, it's time to go, and his unit moved on in this horrible fighting. A few days later, when in fact the 101st were rescued and the Battle of the Bulge beginning to fail, that same unit went back through La Gleisa. And this journalist said, this beautiful little church was all flat on the ground. Dead German soldiers, dead Americans, sometimes bayonets crossed, now almost covered with snow, the one thing standing, the Holy Mother. She was still standing. For us people of faith, it means that war, death, sickness, pain, never have the last word. God has the last word. And God's last words are peace and resurrection and life everlasting. 